0: You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. The podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a lot about ourselves along the way. Well, howdy ho, friends and family out there. It's been a little while since uh, I've made a podcast Been really, really busy. I'll talk about that more in a little bit because it has to do with uh, injuries and which I've overcome. So it's not not a sad story Um, and it's changing. And... The, uh, and uh, a little bit of a work situation and Kai being a teenager and, and having to do stuff, getting to do stuff with him, like mountain biking a lot. Uh, he's right at that age where I get to do a lot of stuff with him and just been busy, busy, busy. And yeah, so we're back. I've actually recorded like three shows, I think, and then never finished them. Never. You can record a podcast, but then actually publishing it is a lot of work sometimes especially for Zentry because I have to stitch stuff together. And yeah, so we'll get to that. And also the gist of this podcast is it's the end of the year. It's 2019. And I'm going to name off the, I think it's about six items, maybe seven, that are the Zen training uh, items, tools, methods of the year. And... The reason that they are they qualify as in as is that they are simple, um, they require an easy change, and they are majorly effective. And also, uh, they simplify your life. I always look for stuff like one little change, uh, one addition. This one addition uh, removes uh, three other things. <laughs> they allow you to cut, but you have to. To get rid of something, you have to do the action of cutting first. So one step one step uh, backward makes three steps forward with these items. And that's, uh, that's why they're on the list. And I can't wait to bring those to you. I've got that all recorded already. Uh, I thought it's a, a great way to start the show with a little bit of uh, tech or on news. Because I love that stuff. And the biggest two th- items at the top of my list are... One, if you're training indoors or you just want something to watch, there is cyclocross videos now on a regular basis on YouTube that are fantastic, and it's the whole races. It's it's uh, pro female and they race just under an hour, and pro male and they race just at an hour or above an hour on these crazy cyclocross courses usually in europe which they're just brutal and it's so much fun <clears throat> i've seen people fall on the ground and cry pros <laughs> uh the level uh, there's some guys for example in cyclocross that are in the uh, there's two i can think of that are also on in the tour de france so we are talking crazy elite level uh fun there's good narr- good commentary and the way you find it is it's on GCN Racing so GCN is Global Cycling Network GCN Racing has a YouTube channel and they post all these uh, races and the the way to actually watch it is you go to the GCN's channel and look uh, change at the top on YouTube change it from um, whatever the default is I can't remember but um, like most popular or something like that and change it to most recent and then filter it if you want by greater than 20 hours, what you're looking for st- 20 hour, 20 minutes, what you're looking for stuff looking for is stuff that is uh, longer, the race, the, the actual races are uh, like two and a half hours. Sometimes anywhere between an hour and a half to two and a half hours, depending on, on the race and uh, that's, that's what you're looking for. If it's like a four or five minute thing, it's just a highlight reel, which is fine, but the stuff is crazy good. You never know what's going to happen. It makes time fly by, especially on the trainer or on the treadmill. And it's in, in English. Uh, a lot of times if you find cyclocross videos online, they're in, uh, German or French or Dutch or something like that. And I, Unless you have subtitles on, it's it's hard to follow if you're a uh, English speaker only, and that's uh, really good stuff. So go check that out. And then also, I have been a user of AirPods, and the stuff is legit. AirPods Pro is what I mean—the new AirPods that have noise canceling. And I'm gonna go. It's on my list, and I'm gonna go on about it on my top tech items of the um of the year top zen items and but mainly the reason why is is that they're sweat proof they just work period and also this noise the noise cancellation mode is fantastic because you're in a training room for example or you're at work and a training room you have fans going and this will deaden all that that's that racket banging on the treadmill as you run. And then um, at work, uh, you can block out coworkers. But instead of wearing big over-the-ear headphones, those those are the type that usually have noise cancellation in them. These just fit right in your ear. And uh, also they have noise pass-through mode, which is the opposite of noise cancellation. They take the surrounding noise and pump it through the headphones. And I call that traffic mode or yes, deer mode. So you can hear others uh, telling you uh, what's up. Okay, so those are two cool new tech things. I got some really neat ones in the rest of the list. Real quick, let's cover, um, before we get to the list, I haven't put out a show recently. I haven't finished putting out a show recently, I should say, because I was so injured uh, for the past years, three years, I've been trying to get over this foot injury and um, I was starting to get out of that hole and it was working. And so I decided to buckle down and really focus on that and not get too distracted with making shows. I would record podcasts, but I've never really finished it because there was a lot going on in life. And um, last week or two weeks ago, I can't really remember, but yeah, it's about a week and a half ago. So I finished up a training week and I had trained 19 hours and I had no pain in my uh, feet from plantar fasciitis and that included 40 miles of running and no pain in my feet from plantar fasciitis and no mad calf and so as this has been getting better my mood has been lifting and lifting and lifting and I've been happier and happier and just things are looking up and I can tell like I can tell how uh, happy I am uh, training and doing uh, stuff at work and all that and it's really weird, you know, when you're, you're used to doing a lot and then you get injured, it's really depressing. Also, I mean, chemically, because you're not getting the endorphins that you're used to. It's a real struggle. And, um, I would find high points and bright spots of where the pain wasn't, uh, uh a problem. And I should mention that, how I actually fixed it. <laughs> I've got a YouTube video by the way online on how to fix piriformis syndrome and it's got over two million views because uh, it really works if you wanna see that. me a long time ago, it's pretty cool. But anyway, the trick was on the treadmill and running outside had too much hills for plantar fasciitis, it would just make it worse. And the reason I knew to keep running and to keep biking was because Sometimes it was bad and then sometimes it wasn't regardless of how much I ran or how much I biked. So it wasn't biking or running and sometimes it was better if I actually ran and better if I biked than it was the day before. And sometimes if I did nothing, it was worse. So I knew to just keep uh, exercising and to really focus and do a whole lot of A and B testing is what they call it, where you try one thing and not the other and then try to do it a bunch and then try to narrow down what actually works. So what I figured out at first was running up hills. So running outside had to be thrown out. So I eventually got around to getting a treadmill. That took a year or so to finally uh, do that. And then on the treadmill... um, I started mixing in hills and a little bit, and that didn't seem to really matter so much, but i was still on the treadmill. A lot of times I was having trouble. And then what I realized is I'm so tall that, uh, looking down at where the iPad, uh, I have an iPad that I watch was, uh, having me lean over and then leaning over puts pressure on the front of your feet that stretches out. If you have, uh, injured, irritated plantar fasciitis on the other side of your feet, then that makes, that puts pressure on that. and makes it hurt. So what I did, and there might be, I don't know if I put a picture of it on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Zen Triathlon. I put the, um, I put the iPad up high. What I did is I got a, uh, I got a floor fan, uh, you know, pedestal fan where it's, it's like four feet high or four and a half feet high, maybe. Anyway, I put it on a bike stand. So it was up at like six and a half feet, (laughs) It was at my eye level. I'm, I'm not 6'5, but I'm 6'3. So the middle of the fan was at eye level. And in the middle of the fan, I put a magnet. And on the back of the, um, the uh, iPad, I put some steel, uh, you know, like a phone holder thing, uh, a magnetic phone holder, and stuck the iPad to the middle of the fan at eye level. And now I'm not leaning over running anymore. Uh, I'm running. Uh, looking straight ahead and, and sometimes I have it a little bit too high and I'm actually kind of looking up and it took all the pressure off the front of my feet and boom I'm running like a champ and it's fantastic. So, so good. And uh that was one thing. And uh the next was to try to solve this mad calf issue. So Mad Calf is for whatever reason, I've only heard about it in one other person um, but he said he's heard it from a lot, and that's Dan on Slow Twitch, the famous Dan, Dan Enfield. Uh He wrote an article about it a long time ago, and it's where your calf clenches up at night, and then when you walk in the morning, it pulls up on your foot because it's all clenched up. And I don't think he, he said his eventually finally went away. I don't think he ever said exactly uh, what he figured out was causing it. But that was my uh, last thing to try to work on, and... I finally figured out, maybe not what caused it, but what was keeping it from healing. And it's swimming without stopping, uh, and for an hour. So what that does is, if you swim for a long time, well, you're pointing your feet back. You use your, you tighten your calves a little bit to point your feet back. So it was because it was already injured. Uh, normally this wouldn't bother somebody it never bothered me for years but then I did something apparently where I strained my calf and then clenching my calf to point my toes back was um, I would notice at the end of a swim that my calf would be feel kind of tight and would kind of hurt and it was really weird because I kept trying to associate you know like running or biking with this mad calf calf thing and it Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't, but really, it was I was looking at the wrong thing. So that made it another year of like trying to figure out um, what was the uh, relationship here. And by the way, I'm telling you all this, so if you know somebody or this ever happens to you, that <laughs> this is how you figure these things out. Don't give up and keep figuring out, keep trying different things. Because uh, if one day it doesn't bother you, whatever your problem is, if it doesn't bother you, then it's fixable. You know, so. I, um, I started swimming 10 minute blocks and every 10 minutes stand and, uh, stretch my calf out. Not too much. I've learned, uh, cause that can make things worse. That strains it again, but, uh, stand at the end of the pool. And most of you, probably almost everybody that swims is like, well, yeah, we stop all the time. And I said, well, see, I don't. <laughs> I really enjoy swimming for long periods of time without stopping. This is killing me, all this stopping. But um, uh, whatever, you know, it's, it's well worth it to, to fix something. And I, um, I noticed almost immediately that my calf was no longer uh, tightening up overnight. And it wasn't... Uh, so in the morning, what, what happens, I get up in the morning and start walking and my calf would take forever to stretch out, my, the bottom of my foot would hurt, and it pulls up on my heel, and then I have, it's kind of like plantar fasciitis, and kind of like a heel spur, um, where it's pain in my heel, but it was actually caused by my calf being tight, not by my plantar fasciitis in both feet. And then lastly, the, uh, the last little trick that I learned early on, actually, was to stop training on my bike endlessly in, uh, sitting down or an arrow position that actually what that does is it clenches your feet over time and standing to pedal on occasion, like say once every 10 minutes, um, I need to get moving. <laughs> we need to get the car rolling here. Standing to pedal like once every 10 minutes is, um, uh, what that does is it stretches out your calves and it stretches out your forefeet so they don't get locked up in this, uh, tightened position of pressing downward with your feet, which, which um, tightens up and irritates your uh, plantar fasciitis and also this mad calf thing. And you may say, well, duh, well, I was so focused on, this all got started with uh, training for Ultraman. And spending endless hours training myself to be in to be in the arrow position for endless, endless, endless hours because it is legit faster. Uh, it's a funny joke on slow twitch to say you people <laughs> never get out of arrow position the entire Ironman bike ride, dude. Seriously, sometimes people don't. They stay in the arrow position the entire time, and it and it's faster. Um, but. It took a lot of training to get there. Well, in the end, it ended up uh, kind of damaging uh, my calves, of all things. The air position I got really comfortable in. Or, uh, it ends up not... You're not stretching out your feet enough. I noticed this also when I was... Um, I'm in a lane that's real bumpy over here. I noticed uh, when... I had a back before we had the, the twin nose saddles that relieve pressure on your crotch. Um, I used to get pressure on my crotch. Uh, and then I got, I started riding a fixed gear bike. And on a fixed gear bike, you only have one gear, so you need to stand a lot to pedal. Anytime something gets um, uphill, um, you, you actually stand a lot. And then I noticed that standing while pedaling uh, more often, all of a sudden I had no. Numb crotch anymore, even though I was using the same kind of saddle. I probably moved the saddle from one bike to the other, same position and everything. And it was a moment of enlightenment, of of zen, of zen aha, (laughs) of biking zen, where I was like, oh, huh. All you hear all the time is get arrow, get low, get arrow, you know, but that one position, and And the the other thing that you hear all the time, though, is like repetitive motion in the same position, same form all the time is going to lead to some sort of weird injury, repetitive use injury. Like uh, what's that carpal tunnel syndrome sort of. Um, And. Yeah, that's uh, it was a moment of revelation where I was like, actually, it's healthy. It may not be as fast uh, in the short run to be in the arrow position or never stand up and stay low the entire time but man maybe just save that for races only and uh don't spend don't get really good at that <laughs> that's not something to get really good at it, the thing to get really good at is uh not getting injured and not getting injured means uh vary your position more than you think you need to on the bike and let's see the other things is oh my gosh work i got slammed with extra projects um short on staff so there's all that so anytime i had a spare moment i'm just exhausted from work and then uh the the two fun things with kai is boy scouts and camping and uh backpacking and mountain biking Um, which reminds me, upcoming shows, We uh, Kai's back on the mountain biking team, and he's an excellent mountain biker, so this should be good, unless he gets injured. Uh, they have a race season coming up. Texas is really big on uh, school. Their schools have mountain bike teams, and so we're going to four to six races or something like that, all around Texas, uh, to go do uh, mountain biking, and... Uh, I got a new mountain bike, which I mentioned on the last podcast, and it's fantastic. It's an inexpensive mountain bike as far as what it could be. It's a—I got it on sale, I think, for $1,100. It was last year's model, so it was originally like 14 dollars $1,500 maybe. And then I put electronic shifting on it, which SRAM has made, SRAM Axis, which I talk about in my list of Zen things. And it's just glorious to ride. And so Kai and I have been mountain biking our butts off, and spending time together doing that. So upcoming shows, we'll have, we'll cover some of the uh, mountain bike racing scene. And Kai likes doing X-Terras, and I do too. I did two last uh, year, but anyway, that's enough stuff about uh, catching up with the show. I need to end this so that I can get it done, and then uh, actually, <laughs> we're finished recording the podcast and mix it down to a. I call it mixing it down. Mix it down to an episode, and then get it out there for everybody. All right, so. Let's go ahead and move on. Here is your top items of the, of the year of 2019 of Zen tech meth and methods and training and cool stuff to make your life easier uh, for next year. All right, here we go. All right, here is our list of the most Zen tech advancements, products, ideas, methods, 2019 and as I said earlier <laughs> these are not all 2019 things some of them are ancient both relatively and uh was it uh literally speaking and not literally but you know if it's if it's electronics then five years ago is ancient. I work with people, some of them are, I'm in my 40s, I work with some people in their 20s, and it's absolutely crazy. (laughs) They have no idea what I'm talking about with stuff so long ago. I'm starting to sound like my old bosses when I first started out. Back in the old days, they're like, tell us more about stagecoaches, boomer. (laughs) Uh, My parents are boomers, not me. Okay, the first one is the Garmin Varia. And what this is is a rearward-facing radar on your bike so you can tell if a car is coming up behind you. And I actually don't own this. And when I was making my list of things to talk about on this podcast, a a good show topic, and that uh, came up in my mind, this is some really great tech. And actually, I, I believe it came out, you know, or two ago, maybe three years ago, but it's really taken traction the, over the past year. I thought to myself, crap, I didn't ask for this for Christmas <laughs> when I could have because, uh, you know, as Christmas was coming, I had family members saying, hey, what would you like uh, for Christmas? And I should have thought about this. Actually, I did get a $50 gift certificate to the local bike shop, so maybe I could use it towards that. Okay, so what it shows is on a compatible bike computer, and you need to make sure that you have one of those before you get all crazy buying this thing. It'll show along the side of your bike computer in the screen dots for vehicles that are coming up behind you. And the reason that this is so um, useful and so zen and everything is this goes on our list of things that you just that are kind of easy to use but make, can make a huge difference in your cycling so if you make cycling safer with a tiny little thing then this has a, uh, a lot of impact and the downside is, is if you're biking in a congested area the thing's going to be going off all the time I guess you just turn it off But if you're biking in uh, semi-rural to rural country roads, which are great for long-distance riding, then this thing will go off, and I think it beeps too. Well, I'm not going to speak too much on it. Uh, DC Rainmaker does a lot of reviews on tech stuff, and he's, he's like the Bible on whether stuff works or not. And... You know what? He's become like the Sheldon Brown. Old school people know who Sheldon Brown is. And how you uh well, it tells you that there's a uh, car's kind of behind you and I think you can do some settings and you know make it more uh, or less usable and it's uh, just some really good stuff. But my problem is is when I go out biking and I'm riding one of these roads and I'm in the lane because there's no shoulder. Uh, and if you're on a tri bike, for example, or if you have a on a regular bike and you have a um, tailwind, it uh, you can be moving kind of fast, pretty fast. And if an obstacle comes up in your way, you need to dodge and in America, United States, you dodge left into traffic, swerve left. Next thing you know, you know, you've been you don't know If you swerve, you might get hit by a car behind you. If uh, you don't swerve, you could hit the obstacle and crash. So, wouldn't you uh, be uh, happy to know that there is a car coming up or not so you can uh, swerve a little bit around this um, pothole or wrench that's in the road? And... The other reason why is uh, hydration and fueling or adjusting something while you're riding your bike. If you are riding uh, and you want to take a sip of water, you got to reach down between your legs and ease the seat back. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, reach down between your legs and grab a water bottle. You got to do some stuff, you know. How. Uh, Wouldn't you uh, feel smarter doing that if there's not a car that's right behind you and about to pass you? You can just wait a second, and then you can uh, reach for a bottle safely and keep both hands on the handlebars. It's absolutely a wonderful device. I haven't bought it yet because I have, uh, like I said, I've been kind of waiting to see how it pans out. Now, how do you know it's a good product? A good product is when you start hearing from other people. And psychologists say it takes three times to hear from other people that they like it. So that's, uh, that's half of it. But the other half is if, if they would buy it again immediately, if they lost it or if it got broken or stolen or would they hesitate on going out without it, it turns out it's that great. And I've heard three people say such a thing that they would not ride without it it's such a game changer so boom right there, good stuff okay, next on my list is the Apple AirPods and it doesn't necessarily have to be the AirPods they, the AirPods well there's AirPods and then AirPods Pro so both the AirPods and AirPods Pro are very much sweat resistant sweat resistant I used to sweat to death. Headphones that said they were sweat resistant. Sweat. (laughs) Why do I keep doing that? Like Jaybirds. Back then, um, I've been on AirPods for a a couple, few years now, so I can't really speak towards Jaybirds now. But so that's the first thing you're looking for: wireless headphones that are definitely sweat resistant. And the AirPods and AirPods Pro are definitely sweat-resistant. And then uh, the next thing about them that is so great is the sound deadening, the noise cancellation, cancellation feature, which I've got to say is pretty great. Uh, so again, any headphones that have these... I would uh, recommend but on the AirPods they have AirPods Pro they have a little stem that sticks down which is kind of handy downside of AirPods is I wish they had longer battery life so if you're a fan of something else besides Apple and you want longer battery life you know go for it that's not my point my point is sweat proof and noise cancellation in a tiny, easy package to deal with that don't fall out of your ears. And the AirPods Pro definitely do that. Uh, Long press. You can set up the presses for what you want on the... on the stem. And the world goes from being uh, annoying and loud, and I'm on the treadmill running, and it's squeak, 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 and the fan's running... whatever else going on in the other room it's all distracting it's ruining my zen <laughs> to this the, the outside noises are still there but they're deadened to the point of where you just barely notice them uh, I walk into the gym and I don't want to hear whatever terrible music they're playing and I want you know ACDC back in black uh, I've heard it enough times I get the point and I want to hear my music I'm trying to be relaxed and chill and kind of think on my way to the pool and through the gym. And it's nice. Uh, they also have uh, what I call yes, dear mode, where a long press and they make a little tone. And the headphones go from noise canceling to noise enhancement. And I would also call this uh, probably traffic mode. Although, you know, I haven't ridden with them yet. Traffic on the uh, road. But what they do is instead of noise cancellation, they do noise enhancement. They take the sound on the outside of the headphones. They use the microphones that are really there used to be there only for uh, like doing phone calls, and they actively, purposefully pump the sound through the headphones into the into your ear, so you can better hear these sounds around you. So it's kind of like wearing those, um, headphones that work only on your temple, but probably way better. In fact, I know way better bone conduction headphones where they, um, you can hear everything going on around you and, uh, Oh yeah, you can hear everything going on around you. And it's, uh, uh instead of blocking out the world, it's actually, you can Podcast or music plus the world going on around you so it sounds like it's great for traffic i'll have to update on a future podcast what that's like in traffic or riding on a road uh into the wind because you know one thing that makes it really hard to hear traffic around you is uh if you're riding into the wind the wind noise uh, another good reason to have that garmin varia thing uh um, Oh, which I should mention, the Garmin Varia thing it just uh, clips on the uh, it clips on your seat post behind you. <laughs> Forgot to mention that at the beginning. Sorry, I haven't recorded a podcast in a little bit and uh, I'm trying to get back into the groove here. Anyway, I uh, I need to ride into the wind and see if I can actually uh, hear traffic around me better because. Uh, they do block out uh, air rushing past your uh, ear canals just by the fact that there's something in your ears. So I wonder, I wonder, hmm, good future science experiment. All right, uh, another item is a digital scale that transmits your weight to your phone. So I can think of uh, three brands, Withings, but I don't know if, is Withings still its own brand? But um, I bought a Weight Watchers one for uh, relatively cheap and was really surprised with how well it works. And uh, my buddy Morgan bought a Garmin one. And I'd forgotten that Garmin actually makes one. So I doubt that the Weight Watchers one connects to Training Peaks. I mean, maybe it does, but the Garmin one does. So you stand on your scale, and then it connects to your phone, and then on your phone, you can log a graph, which is really what you want. You want to be logging you know, progress, direction, how are things going, and that way so you know. Uh, information is the key. And you can say, oh, yeah, you know, I've been doing this lately, and nope, oh, my weight is going up day by day. <laughs> What's which way is it trending, and and then you start to ask yourself why. The other big bonus is these scales. And again, I think mine was about fifty bucks at Target. The Weight Watchers—it just says WW on it, and then that means Weight Watchers. But um, they track, you know, things that are uh, important like ear bone density and stuff like that. But. For us endurance athletes, one huge thing is not really your weight, but your hydration level. It'll tell you how hydrated you are. And that is huge. You get up in the morning and you're dehydrated because the scale is showing you a graph on your phone. And you can look up history and all that stuff because it's on your phone now. Or on a website. Uh, You can say, oh man, I am dehydrated. That's, I'm not going to feel good today unless I start uh, plumping up with a little bit of water and extra sodium. And then you can start to see a pattern and uh, do that. All right, when we come back, we've got more. And uh, I have uh, one that's, I think next I'll do the one that's really ancient. But it's got a cool tech side to it. And we'll be right back. Hold on. All right, sports fans. I wonder if that's what my granddad used to say. I am on my way to W to the ERK. I've got uh, AirPods in my ears that I'm pulling out. I've got a Stages power meter uh, visor that I just took off. I don't know what that's about. got a towel behind me from the SOS triathlon. One of the most awesome triathlons ever. I managed to do it Twice. It's very epic. It's like the Norseman or something, but a half distance. Upstate New York. A friend told me that he saw a bear. A friend that's a pro triathlete came up behind me. He was out on the course in the mountains in the woods for no reason. And he said, "Uh, did you see the bear that was behind you? And I was like, "Uh, no. Dang it. I missed it. I wanted to see it. And... uh, Let's see, we are going to talk about... What do we got? Oh, the ancient... I don't know how ancient it is. I don't know how far back maple syrup farming goes. Whether you tap maple trees to create maple syrup. But... uh, You might have heard me talk about maple syrup before. And also, if you're really into nutrition stuff, you might... and, And endurance sports, triathlon, and cycling... You might have heard about using maple syrup. There's a guy who actually has become very relevant lately. Um, what is that? There's some kind of squeaks on Oh, we heard hoot owls last night outside our, our house. I had Kai and Emily come out and listen. Kai after a minute was like, oh, that's cool, whatever. <laughs> and Emily and I were like, oh, this is so neat. They were calling to each other. I guess they are barn owls, they called them hoot owls. Anyway. The the maple syrup thing, there's a professional, ex-professional cyclist that I guess he retired from the European Grand Tours and stuff like that. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he started making gels from maple syrup, and so they did some interviews with him, and he got his 15 minutes of fame, you know, why is this stuff really good? And also, at the same time, I heard on another podcast, a nutritionist that does endurance stuff talked about maple syrup being a really good uh, simple sugar and because your body digests it slightly different than like high fructose corn syrup and sucrose and i'm hearing things like somebody's honking at me or something anyway the uh Then this guy, uh, very recently, I was listening to uh, you know how like gravel riding is becoming a huge thing, gravel bikes and all that stuff, and that's a separate podcast. But in general, uh, mountain biking's turned into so extreme that uh, people have discovered that gravel riding—you can ride long distances without much traffic, and it's a lot like mountain biking. Uh, it's a lot—it's adventurous, it's fun, and so this guy. Uh, well, Dirty Kansas is a 200 mile gravel ride race uh, in Kansas that's become hugely popular. And he won it this year. And he won it uh, at the last minute. He said he wasn't even sure about it. It was a last minute thing. Somebody, like, gave him the bars or whatever. He put arrow bars on his bike, like clip on arrow bars. And that caused controversy, you know, because is that. Is that appropriate? You know, this is supposed to be chill. It's like, well, it's chill, but also, this is a race. (laughs) It reminds me of Greg Lemond. Look up that story. And he, um, he won. And turns out that he's—I think this is true. I've heard this one time somewhere recently. He's the same guy that does the uh, maple syrup uh, gels and maple syrup fuel. Well. I've actually been using maple syrup as a fuel for a long time. And the tech side of this, you're like, well, what's, what's, uh, you know, this is supposed to be your Zen best tech of the year and most simple best tech. Well, the tech of maple syrup is two things, three things. One is it digests slightly differently, a little bit slower. So you don't get a sugar spike and a crash as much. And part two is it mixes instantly with anything. So you don't have to spend a lot of time shaking and shaking and shaking. It just mixes. It's really great. And then three is that it's not sticky. So when you get Gatorade or any other kind of sugar on, uh, you know, spills on your handlebars, spills on the floor. Last night we were walking around on some concrete. Last night doing some Boy Scout stuff and uh, we were standing for a while and then started to walk and our shoes stuck to the pavement and somebody had spilled Gatorade and I mean I've been using maple syrup probably for uh, three, four years or more and when, when because it's not if but when you spill your sugary drink your fuel on stuff uh, it doesn't become sticky and then remember I said it mixes instantly with water it rinses right off Uh that is some really cool stuff so it makes your life a whole lot simpler but you may be saying Brett I go to the grocery store and maple syrup is crazy expensive it's in these glass jars and it's like a tiny amount Uh, maple syrup is about 60 calories I think per tablespoon by the way just like uh, glucose and whatever kind of sugars. but there's actually a trick You go to the grocery store and you look for the large containers of maple syrup. So they're kind of tan beige and they look like uh, little maple syrup containers, Um, but they're plastic, but they're, and they have a little handle on them, like they're little maple syrup things. And that is um, for what you get. When you look at the price per ounce, it is actually very inexpensive especially because you're only using like a tablespoon or two at a time per workout, um, per hour. It's actually really inexpensive, and that's the way you buy it. Don't buy it. I guess the first time you try it, you know, buy it in a small thing so you don't have tons of it, but the stuff is just awesome to have around. And then it doubles as uh, pancake syrup, (laughs) as it should be. It's got a buttery flavor to it. It tastes awesome. So I mix maple syrup plus some salt plus a maltodextrin powder, which you can order online and make my own fuel. So maltodextrin is uh, complex carbs. And the maple syrup is simple carbs. And it's just wonderful. It tastes fantastic. So that is your ancient tech that might be uh, something that you want to try out if you haven't tried it out yet. And then uh, another item... And then we need to get off the mic. Is a armband heart rate, optical heart rate strap. So I've got the Skosh uh, Rhythm 24 that I bought used uh, from somebody else that had one um, that just wasn't using it anymore. And thank you very much. It turns out uh, I use it all the time. But the reason I use it is because um, a heart rate chest strap, uh, when you put it on and you've used it recently, and it, even if it's not sweat, even if it's, you've rinsed it and it's kind of wet, and if you work out a lot, it's always wet from your last workout. And putting that thing on across your rib cage when it's wet it's cold. It sucks when you put that on in the morning. So I'd put it on, and then I'd uh, around my uh, waist, and then, uh, around my, um, and then around my then around my shirt. Kind of get it warmed up first, and then put it across my chest, and then use it. And it's um, you know chest strap's going to be your most accurate. And I haven't used the optical in a race yet but I definitely would. But, oh, by the way, I think I'll mention show. Man, I managed to get in 19 hours of training this week. That's really cool. By the way, uh, let's see, go back to the skosh. Um, it's putting it on your forearm doesn't bother you at all. You're like, oh, that's, it feels cool. Like you're like, oh, okay, that's nice. And then that's it. Um, it lasts like, like twelve hours or something like that, um, and you put it. It's got a rechargeable battery, so you put it back on a charger, and it looks cooler than um, than a chest strap, maybe, if you're paranoid about that. <sighs> uh, I have a Garmin Phoenix watch that has the optical thing in the wrist. But it turns out that that watch is kind of heavy and that heaviness makes it bounce on my wrist. So I have to tighten it down on my wrist to get it to um, read correctly. If I don't tighten it pretty tight around my wrist, then I get a bad uh, reading on the heart rate. I get a, um, an elevated heart rate by about 20 beats. And that's, uh, that's not good. You don't want that. And so if, But then if I tighten it down, either during my workout or later in the day, if I forget to, un, to loosen it, um, I end up getting a numb hand. I've got a little bit of nerve damage in my left hand. So my, uh, my nerves can go numb. My limbs can go numb a little bit easier than most people. Not much, but a little bit. It's a thing. It's a genetic thing I've got. and um, But I wouldn't say it's that uncommon. A lot of people might experience this. That Wearing the Garmin watch or whatever kind of watch you have uh, that's tight enough to get an accurate reading might cut off your circulation and be annoying. And I like to wear mine a little bit loose. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just so my hand doesn't go numb. My hand goes numb and it's cold outside. My pinkies go numb and then it starts to hurt. Uh, So I don't like that. So wearing the um, one around my uh, forearm on the other arm actually um, doesn't do that, and it works pretty great. Now, you don't need um, the Skosh Rhythm 24, it's just the one that I picked out because it seemed to have most of the stuff that I wanted. Uh, It concerned me that the Wahoo one um, might fall off during training, people said but uh reading reviews and stuff like that you uh you can go find one that you really like if i lost it would i go out and buy another one immediately probably not immediately i would probably go back to using the chest strap for a little bit just to prove to myself whether or not i really care and then after a while i'd be like man this thing sucks (laughs) and then um the uh, uh, go get another skosh or whatever, another wrist one, and I also like it that it's smaller, you know, it's um, just not as much, not the strap that's you know three feet long that you got to keep track of. It's a um, it's smaller, it's more compact. So, when you uh, put it on, I put it on a little table next to my uh, treadmill or next to my uh, training bike indoors, um, it just goes there, it doesn't hang all over the place. So, okay, that's it. I'll be back. I got several more things out, bang. All right, we are back for some new items. One of them I just thought of. A couple of them I just thought of. Wanted to add to the list real quick. Hey, are you buying a new car? What's it going to take for me to put you in this car? (laughs) Remember the jerky boys? If you want me to sell a tank, I can sell a freaking tank. Anyway, a really cool tech item that I'm dying to get in my own car uh, has popped up in Zentri Nurse Emily's car. And it is adaptive cruise control, which you may say, yeah, I've been hearing about that. That's not a big deal. Okay, but there's a certain type and a certain, um, well, anyway, it's not just adaptive cruise control and lane keep assist. Emily got a Volkswagen Atlas last summer. So I guess it's a 2019. And the reason I'm talking about this is if you buy a new car or used car, and it's your road trip car to go to races, for example, you got to drive a long distance. And it doubles as a um, maybe it's your your work commuter because this one thing is so cool. You want to make sure it has adaptive cruise control that goes all the way down to stop and go. So all the way, the cruise control will slow down the car automatically if the car down if the car in front of you slows down uh, down to a complete stop. So lots of cars do this. It's like 50-50 from what I can tell. Lots of cars do it. Lots of cars don't. I think Nissan might do it. But uh, Honda, for example, when I was looking at the Honda Ridgeline, does not do this. Once it goes below 20-something miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, the cruise, adaptive cruise, cruise control uh, quits. And so that includes Honda Passport, uh, Honda Pilot, you know, stuff like that. So the reason that you want it, oh, and also with uh, lane keep assist. Now the Volkswagen Atlas doesn't have the best like lane centering. What it does is it kind of plays bumper cars. If you start hitting the edge of the pavement where there's a white line, it'll keep you from uh, going off the road, but it doesn't really like keep you in the middle of the lane. Uh, The Telluride, the Kia Telluride kept you in the middle of the lane, but I don't remember if it goes all the way down to zero uh, miles per hour. But driving in Emily's Volkswagen Atlas is such, which I'm not in right now, which I'm upset about, is such a pleasant experience because you put it on this adaptive cruise control and it slows down the car. You can set it for whatever speed. You can set it for 100 miles an hour, which you shouldn't do. And if the car in front of you is doing 40 miles an hour, it does, your car does 40 miles an hour. And you can set how close... On a scale of one to five. Uh, you want it to get to the uh, cars in front of you. So then the cool thing is, is certain car models will, if, if the car in front of you comes to a, slowly comes or abruptly comes to a complete stop, your car will come to a complete stop as well. And then the trick is, this is called, uh, I've heard it, Referred to fondly as traffic jam mode, the car in front of you starts speeding up again, your car starts speeding up again. All the way down to zero miles per hour. All you have to do, if it goes all if it goes down to one mile per hour, you don't have to do anything. If it goes down to zero, all you have to do is tap the accelerator. You don't ever have to use the brakes. And it is amazing. Uh, my work commute is going to change pretty soon where I'm going to have to go through a whole bunch of traffic lights and stuff like that. And I'm going to reward myself with a new car because the, the uh, Zentri-Mobile Studios here is getting kind of worn out. So I'm going to get a car, and I've been shopping for one, that makes sure that it goes all the way to a stop and will resume to whatever you set the cruise control to without banging into the car in front of you. All you have to do is just tap the accelerator and it'll do it. So uh, the reason I put this on my list is because it's built in, it's simple, it's a choice. You need to make sure that you get a car that actually has it. And um, it's something you don't really have to think about once you have it. And it makes, A, things safer, way safer. And B, uh, driving across we've driven to uh almost to colorado and back we've taken long trips three hours and the car is a joy to drive because you just set it to the the cruise control to the speed limit for example and every once in a while you touch the steering wheel and it's keeping you safe it is absolutely amazing And and actually it's kind of fun to watch the technology do its thing okay uh next thing uh I was gonna say I'm gonna say the most expensive for last, but that's pretty expensive. It's just a choice though. Whenever you buy your next car, make sure it's got that. Um, YouTube Premium or whatever they call it. I think at first they called it Red for whatever reason. I mean, but whatever it's called, it's a subscription. It's you're paying uh, for YouTube, and I forgot what it is. It's five bucks a month, ten bucks a month. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why. You know, you get this, whatever movies and whatever, I don't know, all that stuff. That's not why I got it. Why I got it is YouTube videos will continue to play on your mobile device if you have this, uh, even if you close the screen. So, without the paid version, if your screen closes or you close your screen, you know, turn it off to screen lock the video stops playing. And you're like, well, okay, who cares, right? Ah! (laughs) What I've discovered is, here's your Zen part, is there are wonderful music channels that play down-tempo music live. So they're endless for not just hours on end, but beyond hours on end. And it is... Uh, like chill hop is uh, so it's like hip hop. So it's kind of, it's got a good beat, but it's kind of slow and relaxed. No words. It is so good to run and to bike to, uh, to just kind of work on a task it is wonderful. And it's always um, varying uh, because it's live. You don't know what exactly you're going to get. So you're not hearing the same stuff over and over and over again. And these are uh, on YouTube and what they do instead of really a video, it'll be a video, but the video just barely changes. And a lot of times it's like a cartoon character in a relaxed scene or something like that. It kinda depends on what style of music you're listening to. Where in the background, let's say there's cats in the background, like cartoon cats just kind of sitting on a on a kitchen counter or something like that. Every once in a while one of them will blink, and then every once in a while one of them will like lick his paw. And that's the amount of movement, that's pretty much it. That way you can tell it's moving, but then that's it. So then you turn your phone off and you can just listen to this while, uh, while chilling out and doing whatever, it is amazing. That's what I put on uh, when I uh, need to go through my morning to-do list and think about what's up. Okay, I may be wrapping it up, unless I think of something after this one. But my last item on the list is a really expensive one and I'm going to tell you how to get it for cheaper is electronic shifting. Electronic shifting, I got it a few years ago on my triathlon bike and it is so amazing that this time I got it on my mountain bike. And the trick to get it for way cheaper is usually it comes on a more expensive bike, a bike that's really high end. But what you do instead is you talk to your bike shop and you say, um, i want a mid-range bike. right? But see, the mid-range bikes won't come with electronic shifting. Um, and honestly, the difference in components between a mid-range or a low-range bike and a high-range bike is not noticeable. Usually it's just weight. That's it. And if you're like me and you weigh 180-something pounds, then half a pound doesn't matter statistically. It's, it's so negligible. It's really aerodynamics that matters more than anything. And... The, uh, the thing to do is say, Hey, so on my Trek, uh, my triathlon bike, I said there was a 7.5 model, which has a heavier, it's carbon fiber, but it's a heavier weave of carbon fiber. And I'm like, okay, it weighed like half a pound more or something like that (laughs) than the 9.0. And it costs like $3,000 less by the time all the components were added up. And I said, okay, um, I will take the Trek... It was the Trek 7.5. I'll take the Trek 7.5 speed concept. But hey, bike shop. um, The components that come on it are like a mix. They're probably all Ultega. It might have been 105. Uh, But anyway, can you... When the bike shows up, can you take that off? You keep it. I don't care. I don't want it. You keep it to sell. And then put on an Ultegra electronic shifting instead? And they said, yeah, sure. Um, we have to charge you for the... Ele- or you could buy electronic shifting if you can find it. But you put it on the bike, or we'll put it on the bike. You just have to give it to us or buy it. And so I ended up with a bike. Oh, and then you get a little bit of a discount. You say, hey, you're keeping all this stuff that I'm not going to use and you're going to be able to resell it. So maybe you can give me a little bit of a discount? And they're like, yeah, no problem. (laughs) It was amazing. And then so, I have a Trek Speed Concept 7.5, which aerodynamically, if that's a word, is exactly the same as a uh, 9, but I have a 2015, and literally, it's like, or maybe 2016, but it's the exact same aerodynamic uh, profile as the uh, Trek Speed Concept 9, which costs thousands more. And... Um, but it's got Ultegra electronic shifting on it, which cost me about probably 800 bucks to 1000 bucks, maybe to add on in the end. Now, electronic shifting on a tri-bike is awesome because now you can shift uh, with your hands on the bullhorns, on the, on the outboard uh, bars where your brakes are, which is awesome for climbing, for uh, going in the turns. You can come out of a turn and be in the right gear. Um, it just it's so much safer and better and then you never have to maintain your uh, drivetrain as far as uh, shifting um, like you don't have you don't have cables that stretch and um, what's the thing you don't have cables that stretch and they get gunked up and then the shifting gets hard and eventually cables break you will um, need to charge your battery and the saying goes, you will forget to charge your battery exactly one time. And that experience will be so miserable, you will never forget again. And that's what happened to me. I forgot. And then I was out in the heat in the summer in July here in Texas. And I was trying to figure out what was going on with my bike. Looking at it, see if there's a way to, to do anything. And I set my helmet down. And I'm dying in sweat. I'm exhausted. And then I put my helmet back on. And it turns out I had put my helmet in a, a mound of fire ants. So now I was getting bitten all over my head and face with fire ants, banging myself in the head. And I called Emily and said, Emily, please come pick me up. I can't take it anymore. And then I put a recurring task on my to-do list <laughs> to charge my bike battery uh, once a month, no matter what. And that was the end of that. So lately on the, when I got my new mountain bike just a few months ago, um, I was like, I'm going to do this exact same thing. So the uh, Orbea, what is it, do I have an Alba, Orbea? That's Jessica Alba. I have an Orbea, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, it comes, it might be an Alba, Orbea Alba. Anyway, it comes, da 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 da, certain levels are kinda inexpensive, and then boom, carbon fiber, super expensive. And, um, and then eventually, and then uh, now they've got electronic shifting, SRAM made electronic shifting, um, but that wasn't even really an option yet uh, on bikes because it's uh, so new. And I, uh, But it's been out about a year. And I uh, talked to the bike shop and I needed a new mountain bike. And I said, I will buy that very inexpensive Orbea um, because it's alloy. It's aluminum. And I will save money because the aluminum weighs... Half a pound, you know, more than the, whatever it is. It's not much than the carbon fiber one. I will save a ton of money. And I'm mountain biking. So uh, carbon fiber is fragile. And if it takes a hit from the wrong direction, you could break it. And I said, I will take the alloy one, which was way less expensive. Um, but let's put electronic shifting on it. Take the old uh, components off. Bike shop, if you would. And they said, yep, absolutely. They ordered the, um, the electronic shifting SRAM. Uh, SRAM Axis AXS is how they spell it, and they put it on. And then I had a uh, new mountain bike. I did lots of uh, reviews, uh, I did lots of uh, studying on the electronic shifting to see if it was worth it. It's like a thousand bucks, and they were, but the reviews came back like this if you are pressed for time and you just want to ride your bike and you don't want to mess with always adjusting your drivetrain and da 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 da. Uh, Things uh, getting out of alignment. And or you ride very long distances. uh, And what happens at the end of uh, a multi-hour bike ride, your components get uh, gunked up. And it stops shifting as well. And it starts affecting performance. Like So if you race long distances, then yes, uh, it's worth the price. And I thought, this is exactly my issue. As a triathlete, I'm always swimming and running, not just biking, so I don't have time to mess with the drivetrain as much. I'm always going out riding and then fiddling with the drivetrain. It's like my pain point is the shifting not working exactly right. And also, I do long races. And I had a long race coming up, off-road race. And that's what I enjoy. And so that's why I got it. And it turns out, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, I could tell at the end... It's my previous podcast at the end of this uh, five-hour duathlon that I did. Uh, 12 different uh, back and – six different back and forth, so 12. Uh, it started with a swim, so technically it was a triathlon. But towards the end, uh, my shifting was still right on, and I started gaining and then passed the, um, the other riders because I could shift anywhere I wanted at any time with no effort Really quickly. Uh, with, uh, with speed and being the right gear at the right time. And in mountain biking, that's crucial. And at the end I had the fastest overall bike split, uh, the, I did not have the fast overall race because I'm not as a good a runner as some of the other guys. I got passed on the run, but I looked at the bike splits and I was gaining and holding or passing cyclists on the bike as the, uh, as the uh, race wore on into five hours. So that was uh, pretty good stuff. All right, I gotta go into W2 the ERK. Got a lot of stuff to do today. Very excited, and we'll be right back. Hold on. All right, everybody, that's a show. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. You know, I was editing down the audio, mixing down the audio, editing down the audio uh, for the show. And I like to do that, and then at the end, record. Uh, one last outro bit just in case I uh, missed something. And there's any like cool Zen news or anything like that. And I was listening to the audio, and man, I sound like spaced out all over the place. And it's a combination of two things. One, I haven't recorded a show and put one together uh, in a little while. So trying to get back in the groove of things is difficult. And you know, it reminds me of telling people, uh, coaching people on what to do if they haven't swam in a while and they're gonna, or (laughs) they haven't swam really hardly at all and they they wanna start swimming. The first workout is just get to the pool. And if you can get wet, see if you can get in the water. It is so difficult to start swimming again if you've taken a break from it. Uh, You forget your gear, the pool is closed. They're teaching an aerobics class that happened to me the other day. I went later than usual, and I got kicked out of the pool partway through the workout because there was an aerobics class. And it's just constant uh, frustrations. And, uh, but just getting one workout, one swim, uh, showing up one time is monumental, and it makes all the difference, and then it's so much easier after that. And this kind of reminded me of that, where just crank out a show. It doesn't really matter you know, how it sounds uh, just try to get one out and then you can get back into the groove and start from there. So I've done that. And the other thing is I was tr- trying a, uh, new recording, uh, method, a new recording piece of software. And I was kind of fiddling with it and not a hundred percent, uh, faithful, uh, believing in it, that, that it would work. It turns out it did work, worked pretty great. And, I'm going to continue doing that. And actually it's something that makes the uh that makes recording and editing the shows. It's really the editing part. That's the big that's the big problem. It makes editing shows a whole lot easier so I can get it done faster and that's actually been my pain point. And Zen uh which is an offshoot of Buddhism, actually uh Buddhism is is about uh, finding where the wheel is stuck and then getting it unstuck right there. That's where your problem is. You point to it. You know, that's your problem. <laughs> so my pain point is actually editing the audio efficiently in a time in a time efficient manner that gets it done and out of the way uh, along with all the other stuff I try to do in life. And that's what was actually holding me up and I think I might have found A really nice way of doing that that's more streamlined and efficient and that's that you know because I've got to edit out all these uhs and does and pauses and things that I might have recorded that don't sound good or I don't want in the show because they've changed or you know whatever who knows and that actually takes some time I've got to review all the audio and it sucks it actually sucks trying to do all that and uh yeah that's the actual uh big uh, time issue okay so now that i've made plenty of excuses and promises let's go ahead and wrap this up if you want to follow zentri on twitter we are Zentrathlon on twitter Zentrathlon on instagram a lot of what i post on instagram gets uh, double posted over to twitter i don't do facebook i hate facebook (laughs) and i do have to do facebook for one thing but It's not a triathlon related. It's an organization for my son's, uh, one of his things that he's in. And then the other thing is, oh, my email is texafornia at gmail.com. You can get in touch with me there. And also the website, zentriathlon.com. You can go through a huge back catalog of episodes and see if there's anything there that you like. All right. Here's to a new year. Hope you enjoyed it and we're going to do lots more stuff coming up all right everybody stay safe out there work the uphills cruise the downhills and keep the rubber side down out